Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I look up, waiting for the sudden embrace of your love. Your face begins to dance, and you clap your rainbow hands in joy. We are the light passing through a prison. We are the sound of parties drifting from townhouses. We are the leaves on the arboretum floor. We are the moon underwater. Between multitudinous lights of various hues, uh, just as the sun begins to set behind the moon underwater's stained glassware, and uh, I do love how it fills the room so. And I think that's that's a familiar shrouded shadow approaching the bar. Could it be Robin? Hello, Robin. Hello, John. How are you? I'm good. Why don't you rest your shadow a while? I will. I'll rest. I'll hang my shadow up on the shadow hook. Hang, hang your shadow up. Sit yourself down, and bathe in the multitudinous lights. Thank you. You've got multitudinous lights on the brain, haven't you, Johnny? I don't know if you heard that echoey voiced intro, but the line about clapping rainbow hands together—that was a very nice image. And I think. Am I right in saying you wrote that was an image you used in a poem you wrote at university? <laughs> yes, that's correct. There are <laughs> there are many echoes of former lives here uh, are, in the moon underwater. But if I recall correctly, Paul Muldoon, the great poet, said that was very good. He did say that was the bravest thing in the poem. <laughs> was he damning with faint praise? No, I think he was actually praising. He was finding a positive, and he really liked that line. But I feel in many ways we are we are the light passing through the prism. We are, yeah. Like a moonbeam through a prism. Imagine that. Oh, well, I don't have to imagine it because it's here right before me, Robin. Oh, God, yeah. Good name for a pub. The moonbeam through the prism. The moonbeam through the prism. Mmm. Into the prism 
I go again. Yeah. <laughs> How have thee been, Robin? How have thee been? Me've been quite good, actually. Yeah, I've been all right. Yes, uh, it's another hot day, so it's a relief to come to the moon underwater where beers are iced. In what sense do you mean, sir? There's ice in the beer. There's, is there ice in the beer again? Yeah, there's ice in the beer, yeah, little crystals forming. But it doesn't make the beer watery. I think when the temperature goes above about 26, 27, ice crystals form in the beer, but they don't make the beer watery. Oh, OK, well, that's good. They would make the beer go stronger because it would be the sort of... Wouldn't it be the water element freezing? I'm not really sure. I can't get into the inner workings of the moon underwater. Basically, once you get over about 27... Every beer is like that beer in Ice Cold in Alex, you know, where it's very foaming and very refreshing. Yes, but we never freeze the glasses here because the glasses are always sort of perfectly temperate. We don't we don't whack the glasses in the in the in the fridge. No, certainly not. No, but I do like it when places do that. Yeah, I do quite like it as well. But sometimes it does make the beer too cold. There's no such thing. Really? Well, I mean, I don't want to block a frozen Stella, but I mean, actually, that sounds really nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great if you're looking for a Christmas present for me. Um, I wonder what would happen. If you froze Stella in ice cube trays and then put those cubes of Stella in a pint of ice cold Stella, I think you know I'd I'd probably just die. Have I laid the seeds of a of a plan in your mind? I mean, that's a great idea. Beer ice, and you could have white wine ice. Well, lots of people. Do you remember that f- craze of uh, freezing grapes and putting a few frozen grapes in 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 wine? Really? Yeah, that's cool. it's very refreshing. There was a craze of. Um, sort of ice cubes that's just water in plastic so they don't dilute the drink but the problem is that it's just awful and horrible to have a glass of wine with loads of bits of plastic in it. <laughs> plastic in it yeah oh but how have you been john how's how's the times the times are mixed sometimes it's a 12 hour clock sometimes 24 hour clock sometimes i'm on eastern standard time but i'm always tired <laughs> always tired never quite at rest yeah i know what you mean um, but that's what makes the sort of dappled nature of the moon underwater such a refreshing retreat. It does feel very much like a sort of, you know, in um, sort of the uh, Chelsea Flower Show or whatever, where they have those sort of tranquil gardens that people design. Yeah. It does feel a little bit like a tranquil garden from a Renaissance painting with a very pale lady floating uh, sort of on her back in a lily pond. Do you, do you mean pre-Raphaelite? Pretty much. Yeah. Whatever, just an old one. An old an oil old one, one, probably. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're always tired, and but you can't sleep. And I think that's what makes you, you know, an award-winning comic, to be honest. Oh, that's very kind of you, mate. Sort of the, <laughs> the restless night sweats converging with the uh, the words in my mind to create a bit of humour. Yes, well, I'm glad the moon underwater is offering you some solace in these troubled times. Oh, absolutely. Speaking of troubled times, I heard you sighing earlier, um, but the mist mail wasn't there. Were you just sort of sighing of your own accord? It was a melancholy sigh, but I did receive some mist mail just sort of by default. This happens sometimes. I just sigh yeah. and kind of mist mail appears now. Which So I need to watch when I sigh, really. Like if I sigh in the bath, then I'll get wet mist mail. Which would kind of evaporate, I suppose, into steam mail. Anyway, we've had a lovely mist mail in here. This is from Ross in Cardiff. Dear chaps. I thought that it said dear chaos then, but it is a P. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mind dear chaos. Dear chaos. 
I hope this missed mail finds you well. I have been meaning to write for a while, and having listened to the recent episode with Shit London Guinness, I thought I would do so tonight to take my mind off my indescribable desire for a pint of Guinness on what is supposed to be a dry day for me. Two questions, and I'll keep them brief. Firstly, on the subject of great pints of Guinness and great pubs, I feel the need to mention John Kavanagh's The Gravedigger in Dublin. It was the most blissful pint of Guinness ever bestowed upon me, and in the brief few seconds it took the barkeep to accept my money and return with my change, two-thirds of the pint had been supped. Such was its allure. That's really good. Photo attached. It looks stunning. He's got some scampy fries there as well. I've got a feeling The Gravedigger gets a mention in... Dublin Pub Life and Law. It's a very familiar name. I've never been there myself. There's a graveyard out the back and they used to have a hatch that the gravediggers would come to collect their Guinness. Ross is just about to go into this. One of my favourite pubs in Dublin, I don't know if anyone listening has been there, but Cassidy's, which is opposite Whelan's, is just a brilliant pub. I've had some fantastic nights in Cassidy's. If you've been there, give us a shout. Um, yes, so Ross goes on to say, a f- lovely functional pub simply serving quality beer. I believe known as the Gravediggers due to the small hatch in the wall which leads to the graveyard on one side of the pub which the Gravedigger would put his spade through and be furnished with a pint of Guinness to aid in his work. Similarly, in Edinburgh there's a great pub called the Diggers. It's actually called the Athletic Arms. But it was the pub where the Gravediggers would go for a pint. It's a great pub. Huh. Secondly, continues Ross, I've been wondering lately, as a couple of hip literary guys, apart from the obvious Orwellian mind pub, are there any fictional pubs, taverns, bars, etc. that you would love to have a drink in? As a big Pratchett fan, I've always wanted to have an evening in the mended drum on the Discworld, quietly keeping its session in a dark corner, smoking a pipe and watching the chaos, not the chaps, unfurl around me. Anyways, keep up the good work, love the pod, and I hope to while away many hours in the moon underwater in the future. I would also beg of you to bring some live shows a little further afield one day, should circumstances allow. Bristol must be an obvious choice. Yours in pints, Ross from Cardiff. So that's a good question from Ross. Any fictional pubs which you'd like to have a drink in, John? I've got a, I've got one that springs to mind. Were you thinking of the Prancing Pony? I was indeed thinking of the Prancing Pony and the Green Dragon Inn. Yeah, well, the Prancing Pony in the Lord of the Rings is actually quite an intimidating place. Quite scary, isn't it? Yeah, but it's got an edge. Sometimes you want a pub with a bit of an edge. I do like the idea of sort of looking up to see a cloaked figure, just the cherry of their... Uh, pipe on the go. Aragorn. Yeah, our producer Matt has just misted in touch uh, in my mind in all caps to say Moe's Tavern, oh, which is another yes. excellent shout. So I would like to have a duff in Moe's Tavern. That's a great shout. Well, it's difficult because a lot of the pubs in Patrick Hamilton's writing... I don't know whether they are fictional or not, because I haven't sort of done the research. Well, they're kind of amalgams in some ways. Some of them are real, aren't they? The Midnight Bell, I don't think it was actually a real pub. Oh, yeah, I'd love to go to the Midnight Bell. But again, as you're saying about the Prancing Pony, it, I mean, the writing is so beautiful, but I'm not sure I'd like to go there. <laughs> you know? Oh, I think I would love, I'd love to go to a sort of 40s pub. Yeah. A post-war pub, maybe a 50s pub, a 30s pub, just for a bit of... Uh, but I, I think the problem is that I would have just hated all of the beer. Soho Between the Wars. I think that's where your natural habitat would be, wouldn't it? Yeah, Soho Between the Wars, mate. You're just in a sunlit afternoon pub and you, you've got, you've, you, you're you got performing in a matinee and you've, you, you sort of, you, you've got carried away and uh, you're drinking in a pub. 
uh, and you have to rush to the theatre, the stage door. Oh, I think that would be <laughs> that would be your natural habitat. I don't know why. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Oh, I do. I'd like to have gone to the. Um, What's the pub in bottom? Is it the Lamb and Flag or the Dog and Handgun? It's the Lamb and Flag, isn't it? The Lamb and Flag. But a Dog and Handgun does get mentioned. I would <laughs> yeah. like to have gone to the Lamb and Flag on quiz night. <laughs> yeah. The condom machine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe um, Gaston's from Beauty and the Beast. Ooh. They, uh, they're all sort of drinking big steins before they go to try and get the beast. So I think I just want to be in Beauty and the Beast in any sort of, in any form, really. Yeah. Oh, uh, Kavanagh's from The Wire. Oh yeah, that's a great shout. The uh, the Irish pub where all the where all of the um, police officers go. Yeah, and R.I.P. Michael Williams, by the way, that was terribly sad. Oh, massive R.I.P. to Michael Williams. That was absolutely gutting what an incredible actor he was astonishing actor and his his little cameo in um the road is exceptional i think i would like i mentioned this in the first episode i think i'd quite like to go in the the bar that's in the organ in vic and bob oh yeah you know the little pub that's underneath the organ in many ways that ignited my my kind of fondness for pubs that's sort of at the back of a lot of your sort of pub fantasies isn't it yes oh I'd like to go to the Three Broomsticks in Harry Potter. I'd also like to go to the Tabard, where all the pilgrims set off for one of the Canterbury Tales. That's a classic one, yeah. But I think it's difficult for me, because a lot of the pubs I love in books, I don't know if they are if they are fake or real. Great queue, though. Great queue. Let us know what fictional pubs you would like to attend. Uh, John at moonunderpod.com for your missed mail. Uh, was there another question that uh, the the mister had? No. <laughs> <laughs> right, just the, that's why he said there's two questions. He had two points. One was just to talk about the grave diggers, and one was to ask that, yeah, yeah. VN, VN. Well, Robin, um, look forward to reading more mist next week. Um, but I, I'm starting to wonder if this multitudinous light is actually getting a bit full on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, is it getting, is it, is it a bit, are you enjoying it a bit too much? Well, it's more that the, the sort of reds and greens have begun to dominate, and that, that does give it a sort of slightly Halloween-y vibe. You step into one light and you look ill, you step into the other one and you look like the devil. So I, I, I think I really need to get on top of this before, uh, before this week's guest comes. Well, Robin, I've managed to change uh, the the green lights into amber and some of the reds into a sort of peach, like a sort of half pink, half orange, and I think that's much better. It's given the pub a wonderful sepia tone. Yes, and I think it gives it a slightly less sickly feel. And I upped the dappling a bit. Yeah, there's some nice dappling effects there. You've got yeah. You'd, I'm glad you invested in the the daplometer. To kind of increase the dappling, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's worth its weight in gold. And that's what it cost, uh, annoyingly. It was about 280 grand. Bloody hell. Do I hear footsteps approaching? You dust. And there's the door. And in walks DJ, musician, and I am tempted to say, the Pied Piper of the Manchester vibe. <laughs> 
Mr. Clint Boone. Hello, Clint. All right, lads. How are you doing? Not too bad. How are you? Yeah, nice gaff you've got. It's good, isn't it? I wasn't sure if you're open or not. I thought I'd just come and knock on. Well, that's the thing with this pub is you never want to look too open or too closed. Always in that sort of hinterland that is just sort of a hopeful, distant glow. Mm. We like to appear closed. Appear closed for a long distance. And then when you get close, you realise, yes, it is open. That's the, that's the goal. <laughs> it smells nice as well in here. Mm. Mm. How, how would you describe the smell? Sweet. Yes. Elegant. Nice. Upmarket. The, the, the carpet's not sticky. No. Which is always a, a bit of a bonus, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, speaking of sticky carpets and carpets, and the Inspiral carpets, <laughs> <laughs> do you like that we've actually got spiralled carpets in the Moon Underwater tonight on your behalf? That attention to detail is amazing. It must have cost a, a bit of a wedge, that, to get them put in specially. No expense spared for you, Clint. I wanted to ask, an awful lot of the shall we say, nostalgia for, rumour of, myth around the Manchester scene that you were and are such a big part of, perhaps doesn't focus on the booze side of the performance-enhancing paraphernalia. But I wonder if you could sort of paint a picture of what the pubs in Manchester were like in that time. From what I can remember, back in the, the 80s and 90s, there were still the classic British pubs, you know, they were they were they had the sticky carpets, this smell of cigarette smoke, you know, I mean this is before the smoking ban. So they always had a very similar aura to each other. These are city centre pubs. It's changed quite a lot now, isn't it, over recent decades where you've got, you know, bar cultures kicked in a little bit, so there's uh, you know, the places don't stink as bad as they used to do, especially now that the smoking's uh, not allowed. But yeah, back then we had we had many, you know, Important moments meeting record companies and, you know, publishers from London who'd come up and we'd go to the local pub, you know, near the rehearsal room and knock out a deal, you know, a record deal or a publishing deal over a pint of uh, Guinness or whatever. So, uh, yeah, the, the the pubs back then were mainly those classic British pubs, but there's probably only a handful of those now in the city centre that I can think of. In the suburbs, however, you've still got a lot of those little... Uh, you know the little community pubs, the, the little places that that are the, the the heart of the community. You still see quite a few of those. I mean, we've lost a lot over the pandemic, obviously, but yeah, they're still there. And I think I think there'll always be a, a a human need for that place just at the end of your street, where you can just go and you know escape the husband or escape the wife, whatever, and just go and sit with a load of uh, people, you know, chit chatting and having a drink, you know, in front of a fire or whatever. I think that that'll always be a requisite for the, the human human species. I think. That got quite profound, that, towards the end, didn't it? Yeah, it was good, yeah. (laughs) When you were touring or gigging within Spiral Carpets, were you quite a boozy band? Because Robin's also played in bands, he's a musician. I'm always amazed, as a comedian, who I would never drink before I went on stage, I'm amazed at just how much some bands imbibe before going on to play, you know, quite complicated music. Was that part of the, the atmosphere around your group? For me personally, it was. I mean, someone like Graham in the band wasn't a big drinker. I, I still don't think he is, you know, a big drinker. But back then, I, had, I definitely had, I've always had a reliance on it, alcohol. Um, I've never considered myself to be an alcoholic, although I, I do, you know, I have a drink most days. Uh, even when I'm out on the, ro- the road with the band. I mean, yeah, we, we'd spend most afternoons having a bit of a drink. A bit of a drink, he said, with the inverted commas. Yeah, when it came to gig time, I'd never go on stage absolutely leathered. I'd always make sure I had a little bit in me just to give me that, let me feel, feel relaxed, confident, whatever else it, it gives you, but not not getting leathered before the gig. 
Uh, however, once I got on stage, I'd always have a big stack of cans at the side of me, and it'd just be like a, a crusade to get through them as quick as possible during the gigs. And I, <laughs> I used to do that thing as well. I, I totally ripped it off uh, Dave Greenfield out of the Stranglers. He'd, he'd be doing these amazing um, like organ solos with one hand and drinking a full pint of something with it, like while not missing a beat. So I used to do that as well. I totally <laughs> ripped him off on that one. And um, not that I'm in the same, I was never in the same league as Dave as a musician, but I think as a drinker, I think I, I, I could probably uh, hold him, uh, I could probably give him a good race <laughs> in a pub. Never met the fellow though, never met him, never met the Stranglers yet, which is sad. Um, but yeah, hopefully one day. And I was offered the, uh, the Dave Greenfield job, you know, back in the late 90s it was. He was uh, unwell for a period of time. He had to take some time out. And uh, the manager of the Stranglers, bearing in mind, this is one of my favourite bands of all time, obviously. That's why I've ripped him off so much over the years. But I got a call <laughs> from this guy, Sil, Sil Wilcox. I think he's still the manager to this day. And uh, he said, look, Dave's having to pull out of this European tour that we're doing. And Dave suggested we called you and asked you if you can join the Stranglers for this. And I'm like, you're absolutely joking. I cannot play the way that he does. I can't. It take me a year, you know, with working every day to be able to emulate what he did, you know, musically. I, I can sort of, I sort of suggest the Stranglers and the Doors with what I play, but I'm just a punk rocker with an electric organ. Me, I've, I've not got that that capability that these people have got. So, but yeah, I had to turn the Stranglers down. And uh, when he passed away recently, I didn't get the call this time. <laughs> but I still wouldn't have been able to do it. I've not played keyboards for a couple of years. I'm totally neglecting that side of me. Um talent, I suppose, that you know, I'm doing other things, you know, I'm focusing on radio and DJing in clubs and all that. Do you remember that night clubs? I used to do that a lot and that all stopped, didn't it? God, that was a shocker. That was that was my main income before the pandemic. That was my main income was uh, DJing in nightclubs, events, festivals. That was uh, 80% of my income just went overnight so that was a bit of a shock to the system but got through it you know got through it what was your can of choice on stage that, for the stack that you had to get through if, if there's a choice it would always be red stripe for me even back then you know I got, I got into red stripe pretty early on in life from what I remember and I think because I mean to this day I still drink it a lot it's my main go-to drink when I'm out DJing it's it's my DJ juice you know that's people in Manchester people associate me with red stripe and vice versa to the extent where now I've got a real good relationship with the people that do the the marketing for Red Stripe. Um, and we, we've got stuff planned for this year that we're going to be doing, like just a brand association, if you want to call it that. So Red Stripe, I've always liked it. Because it's always, you know, it's refreshing. It doesn't get you too leathered too quick. You know, it's not like special brew used to be. Do you know what I mean? That, that was stuff that was frightening, frightening, wasn't it? But, but Red Stripe, you know, I can drink like stacks of it and just not not be too um, too incoherent and, and, and remain upright. Well... We await to see if, if Red Stripe might feature in your dream pub. But as we start to put together your, your fantasy pub, what sort of pub would it be? What Would it be one of those sort of Manchester city centre pubs or would it be a pub from sort of perhaps earlier memories in your youth? I think... It, or, or, a, or a modern day pub? I think it'd be... I'd probably start off with a traditional, you know, red brick pub on the corner of a street. Uh, I'd definitely take away the... Um, you know the smell of smoke that we had back in the day. Definitely smarten up the uh, the cleaning regime. You know, I, but I, I, I do like those old quaint Victorian pubs with a lot of lot of wood and you know maybe a little real fire in the corner. A nice jukebox always helps, doesn't it? Comfy seats, some just somewhere I can snuggle down with wife and just you know chill out for a bit and enjoy some uh, some nice vibes. You know, so I think it's a bit, a bit, very much an old school sort of pub would be my ideal. 
I was going to say that I mean one of my favourite ever pubs is the Britain's Protection in Manchester. Is that is that a fave of yours? Definitely, yeah. The Britain's Protection and. Are you familiar with the uh, Temple of Convenience in Manchester? Oh, I've never been there, but yeah, no, I, 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 my, my friend has raved about that, yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. It's literally, it's just off, it's on Oxford Road, but it's, it's literally an old uh, underground public toilet, public convenience, that's why it's called Temple of Convenience. So when you get down there, it's only probably, it's a long, thin room, and it's probably about eight foot wide, nine foot wide or something. It's just, it's like a tunnel, and they've created this bar in it, and it's where people used to go for a piss and a shit, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so moving on to uh, your choices for this red brick victorian pub with a real fire an old school place where you can just snuggle down with the wife what are your two draft items what would you want on draft in this pub i, I think one would be it's an obvious one but i'd go for red stripe i mean i've always had it out of cans and then occasionally you'll come across a venue that has red stripe on tap, which is like, there's so much beauty in that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. It's got a nice glass, though. Red stripe comes in a nice glass, I think. Yeah, it does, actually. Well, I've just started a new residency in Stockport. There's a new venue there called Dr. Feelgood. It's more, it's more of a bar and a venue than a, um, than a pub. But they've got red stripe on, on tap, and it was one of the reasons why I said to them, how about I do it every Thursday night? Yeah. When, when the red stripe lorry <laughs> appears. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, um, but yeah, so one of, one of my drafts would be red stripe. And then the other one, something else I, I sort of treat myself to occasionally. I, I, I've never been a massive Guinness drinker. I've always had it like, you know, when you go to Ireland, you have it, you know, because it's where they make it or whatever. But recently, I think I've started having Guinness where lager just isn't quite, it's like the, the ultimate beer, isn't it? In, in terms of giving yourself a nice little, treat i think when we went for months and months without being able to drink in the local pub our, our local's called the midway the midway in stockport and we walked down there me and the wife and we've not been in there for probably i'm guessing like eight or nine months since we've been able to have a drink and i thought i'm going to get something on draft now what would be really nice to have on draft that i've not had and i thought it's got to be guinness hasn't it i've not had a, a draft guinness for all that time and i, I went for guinness and uh, loved it so since then i've become quite a quite a Guinness drinker. It is something you couldn't just can't have at home in the same way, the way you, you can have a, a red stripe. <laughs> You're right, yeah. You, yeah, you can yeah. get it in a can, can't you? But with a widget with a widget in the bottom of it or whatever. You can get it in a you can get the ice cold can ones. But, but yeah, I like it just a good you know, a good um, Guinness. Is it served at room temperature? Is that what they do? They don't chill it, do they? Well sometimes they do. Do they? Yeah, sometimes they chill it a bit too much. But um, can I? My, I was going to say just we were talking about red stripe. I just remembered my fond memory of red stripe is the first date I ever went on with my girlfriend, and uh, about five years ago, we went to a Jamaican restaurant in Bristol called Rice and Things, which is absolutely brilliant. But I had the hottest ever meal I think I've ever had: the jerk chicken. <laughs> so this was, I hadn't, re- I didn't really know Ruth very well at the time. But my memory of it is just sort of sitting opposite her with my mouth open, pouring cans of red stripe just into my mouth, just like one after the other, just to try and cool it down. It wasn't very flattering first impression, but, you know, fond memories. It's a great drink. And I think that part of its its beauty is that it's so easy to drink and you don't get too leathered on it. And I'm not knocking, obviously, it's my favourite drink, but, I mean, what is it? Is it like four and a bit percent or something? What's it she should say on a Jamaican lager beer? We know that. I can't even see. It was four points something in it. I can't see what it is without without me reading glasses on. I think it's four point five red stripe. Yeah, four point seven. It says here. But yeah, I'm a big fan 
And uh, yeah, that's it. It's, uh, it's, it's sent from heaven, that stuff, I tell you. Even the can <laughs> looks great, doesn't it? It's just a great design, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's like it's like a really classy football kit design, isn't it, from the 70s or something, you know what I mean? Yes, very good point. It looks like a sort of an old packet of fags. Yeah, you're right, yeah. What was it? Was it um... Embassy used to have the stripe, yeah. I'm not a smoker, but I grew up in a corner shop in the 1970s, so I used to know my cigarettes. We did actually occasionally, we'd snide a packet out, me and my mates, and go smoke it around the backs. You know what I mean? Consulate. That was our that was our stolen cigarette of choice. You know the the, the menthol ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we had a, we had a neighbour. I don't know how much of this I should talk about because my mum tends to follow me on online, and she suddenly hears me talking about things that she uh, she's never heard about before. I talked to the other night about having a. I had a ganja cookie the other a couple of weeks ago. That knocked me right out. That anyway. So I'm telling this story. My mum was listening and. She's a bit shocked. Well, anyway, we tried the cigarettes and that when you, I think we're probably about 10 or 11 and I wasn't really that into it. But we had a neighbour that had, um, he smoked a pipe. It was called John Jackson. He was an old war hero, if I remember right. He'd been in the Second World War. And he always used to smoke these pipes with the, you know, the, the tobacco and all that. So we, we tried, tried that as well for a bit. We, we acquired a pipe from somewhere, got a bit of tobacco. We were like 11, sat around the back. So that didn't last long. I think that's probably one of the reasons why I've never really been a smoker because I had that typical bad experience, you know, 11 year old or whatever, and it just put me right off. The other one is cider. This is something you're probably going to ask me at some point about drinks that I don't like. The, the only alcohol that I cannot stomach is cider, the traditional cider, because, go on, I, I mean, it was to do with, again, same thing, 13-year-old, me and my mate, Kenny, got some, um, got what, I think it was his cousin went to the off-license and bought a few big bottles of uh, woodpecker, and we just sat in his house and necked it, and we were so ill, so ill, it's just horrible, and I, I was puking out my bedroom window. We used to have this house, it was like a design, like a dormer bungalow, you know, so if you open your bedroom window, you had a bit of roof. And I remember it was there, A-side Oldham, and uh, I, I was throwing up all night out my bedroom window. And from then on, for, for the weeks and months and years after, you could always see this white stain on the roof below the <laughs> bedroom window. Seriously. Even, oh, after, even after we'd moved out of that house, years later, whenever I drove past, I could still see the residue of the sitch. Jesus <laughs> Well, if, if your parents ever asked you where it was from, you could say, oh, Woodpecker did that. <laughs> yeah, a Woodpecker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's not your fault. A Woodpecker. That's funny, actually, because I, I was reading today Bez, another Manchester legend, talking about his love of cider. This is what he said in the paper today. I've had a long-lasting love affair with side, apple cider over the years. I just love the apple. There's no contest as far as fruit goes in my eyes. It comes from the Garden of Eden. With some cider, you can literally taste the spirituality in it. When you think about it, the apple, <laughs> the apple covers every angle. It gets you drunk. It's great food. Plus, it's really beneficial medicine. So there you go. That's Bez. Yeah, that's Bez for you. Maybe with his PR person <laughs> doing a bit of uh, editing on it. But yeah, he's no. But Bez is seriously. Bez is seriously in, into nature in a, in a big way. It's a beautiful beautiful human being and that it comes across on it um but yeah, somebody gave me some cider last week it was like a a new sort of um fruity blend of cider i can't remember who it's made by but it's like a lemony orangey vibe um and that didn't taste that bad because it didn't taste like cider but as soon as i taste if somebody gives me cider uh to smell or to it upsets me it makes me cry <laughs> sure it's not an onion <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, so, so cider's a no-no for me that's definitely fair enough, yeah. fair enough yeah. we now move on to your two bottle or can choices so what are you going to have 
um, in those receptacles? I think for a bottle, I think I, I like the, I, the you know, the uh, Corona or Sol with a bit of lime in the top. I do like that. You know, some some nights you just want a little drink at tea time and you're thinking, right, kind of red stripe might be a bit too much here. What kind of that's a bit more dainty? Yes, dainty. Easier on the abdomen. Let's have a bottle of Corona. The Latin lagers are more dainty, aren't they, with their limes? Definitely. And, and that lime gives it a little subtle edge of exoticness that you don't really get with the, just a straight lager, do you? So, yeah, I think Corona in a bottle would be one of my favourites. And then the other bottle would be, um, well, wine, red wine. I, I, I love like my Rioja and Shiraz and stuff like that. So my fa- that's my favourite proper drink. It's not an excessive sort of stimulant. You know what I mean? It's a refreshing drink for a busy DJ like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the but the red wine, the red wine is like, you know, as soon as this is finished with, with you guys, I'll be opening a bottle of red and I'll probably drink most of that tonight and maybe open another one as well. But, you know, Rioja, Shiraz, just quality thick red wines. Fruit. I'm, not, I'm not a connoisseur. I couldn't tell you... Uh, anything more than you know 10 or 11 quid a bottle do you have a, a favorite sort of um brand or make of rioca at the moment we shop at aldi so some of their own brands are great they're famous for doing great alcohol at good prices aldi but our corner shop is uh, zaff's down the end of our street zaff's like little off license and he sells the yellowtail red wine i think it's like it, it's 6.99 everywhere else but i think zaff charges 8.99 for it Red wine is my favourite, and people, you know, I get sent a lot of it. Like, if I've done a nice good deed for somebody, I'll usually get a couple of bottles of red wine delivered to my door within a couple of days, so they, they know what I, what I like, you know, red stripe, red wine. So, we've got quite a collection already. We've got red stripe, Guinness on draft, uh, bottles and cans. You've gone for a Shiraz, let's call it a yellowtail Shiraz, and Corona with a slice of lime. We take a break now from populating your pub to head over to the lovely Robin Alander for this week's Moon Underwater Pub Quiz. Robin. Okay, everybody. Pens out, eyes down. It's time for the quiz. He played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger. That wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey have been deducted five points. Thanks, John. Yes, so this week the questions are about animals. How are you on animals? I'm pretty good, I think. I mean, we've got a lot. We've got, yeah. we've got. Um, I think we're on nine at the moment. We, we had a couple of, um, we, we had a couple of bereavements during the pandemic. Two rabbits and a guinea pig passed away, but we've replaced the guinea pig. I think we're on eight or nine animals at the moment. So let's count: two rabbits, two guinea pigs, an hamster, a lizard, a fish, and a dog. Eight. Wow. Sounds like a kid's book. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It? <laughs> they all go and learn valuable lessons together. No, they all sit around at night saying, ain't Clint a bit of a dick? <laughs> <laughs> right then. Animals. Here we go. Question one. Which bird can fly backwards? Which bird can fly backwards? Is that not a trick question? Is there actually a bird that can do that? That's According incredible. to Google, yes. <laughs> question two. What type of animal is a Russian blue? What type of animal is a Russian blue? That's question two. Question three. I love this one. This was I heard this in a pub quiz. Which animal's scientific or Latin name is the same as its common name? So you know the way we're like Homo sapiens, which is the animal that's actually known by its Latin name. So those are the three questions. Get thinking. 
Good questions, Robin. Very good. Well, we will take a very short break from the moon underwater, during which you will hear some ambient music written and performed by the lovely Robin Allender, or you might even hear an advert. And if you would like to get rid of those adverts, you can subscribe to us via Patreon. And one of the many benefits you get by being a Patreon supporter is that you get no adverts, you get the episodes early, they are extended episodes, and you also get access to the Moon Underwater Social Club and the bonus podcast uh, for the top two tiers, Behind the Cellar Door, where Robin and I tackle some of the great pub questions. For example, do pubs even exist? Uh, So we will see you back for the answers in a bit. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back, folks. John here, landlord of the moon underwater, with the fantastic Clint Boone at the midpoint of his dream pub creation. But we have the very small matter of... I don't mean that. The very small matter. (laughs) The not unsmall matter of the pub quiz to finish. So, Robin, what are the answers to those great cues? Thanks, John. Here are the A's. Question one was, which bird can fly backwards? Clint, what are you saying? I've written down hummingbird. John? I've also written down hummingbird. You're both bang right. It is Come a hummingbird. on! Come yes. on! You think Come about on. the way you're humming. Drinks are on me, just... everybody! Drinks are on me! <laughs> There's nobody in. There's one of me. <laughs> they definitely are on you. Hummingbird. Yeah, I suppose it kind of goes in and out of a flower. It can go backwards. Almost like a very... What a beautiful creature. Question two. Did they actually hum? Did they hum as well as they're working on? <laughs> Oh, is it right? I think it's the wings that hum, but they've got very, very long tongues. Yeah, yeah. Oh, not not more like a. Like that, an attack hummingbird. Yeah, humming. Do you know a story about Vic Creaves in school? Used to him and his mates used to hum when the teacher had his back turned, and the teacher would never be able to work out who it was. Anyway, hummingbirds. We used to have a kid in our class. Mark Doyle was called. I think we were, we were fourteen at the time. He was a proper wild one. This fella. Well, I say what? He was a bit of a rebel. 
And what he used to do, so as we were facing the front of the class, to our right, the wall had uh, lockers, like wooden lockers. And they were about probably five or six foot high, and we'd put our bags on top of them, like our PE bags and all that. And Mark, if there was going to be a lesson that he didn't want to take part in, he'd climb on top of the lockers and hide behind the bags <laughs> for the entire lesson. <laughs> That's just later, and we all knew it was there. The teacher's like, "Mark, do I let him know he's off, sir? It's not, not well." And he'd get away with it. Oh, that's get great. away with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My friend um, used to work in a bookshop, and um, it would be so quiet that he would lie down at the back behind a shelf of children's books, and so like a customer would come in and just see him just get up from lying on the floor, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> Oh, quickly, good. quickly fastening his pants. Yeah, exactly. Uh, question two: Russian blue. What's a, what kind of what kind of animal is a Russian blue? I'm guessing it's a cat. John, it is a cat. It is a cat. Yes, it's a cat. Is it, is it blue? I guess it is. I should have researched that. Well, we used to have a a cat that was sort of a tabby Russian blue mix. One of the most beautiful cats I've ever seen in my life, and they do have a sort of a bluish tinge to the grey fur. There's a British breed as well. I think it's called a British... Is it called a British blue-tipped? It's very similar sort of look, but it's like a blue tint to its... Uh, uh, yeah, little uh, beautiful things, aren't they? We've not got a cat, funnily enough. Our little boy, Oscar, my, our youngest, he's 11, he's, but he's allergic to um, cat saliva. Now, and how do you find that out? So what it is, it's like... It's, it's, not, it's not snogging cats... They lick their fur, I guess, right? It's to do with they lick the fur, and then when you when the fur lands on your face, and you know, in in Cassie's case, he he got a bit of fur in in his eye lid, and it ended up his eye just swelled up like a massive boiled egg. He had to go to hospital, and it turned out it was the uh, the allergies. That's how we found out. So that's why we've not got a cat. But I do I do like cats. I think they're very cool. Uh, so Rob, what's the what's the th- third and final answer? Oh, yes. Third. The third question. What animal's scientific or Latin name is the same as its common name? Any ideas for this one? No, I've not got a clue. I'm fascinated to hear it. I mean, I I thought Sphinx, but that's not actually an animal, is it? (laughs) Well, that's a type of um, cat that your son could have because it doesn't have any fur. Oh, really? Yeah, did it? Ah, Yeah, yeah. A bald cat. Oh, it's a boa constrictor is the Latin name. Boa constrictor. So there we go. Oh, really? Yeah. Great question. I was thinking pets, me. Man, you can have them as a pet, can't you? If you've, if you've got the guts to give it a shot. Talking about bald animals, have you ever, have you ever heard of skinny pigs? I've heard of mini pigs, but not skinny pigs. Mini, mini pigs are actually like little pigs, aren't they? But, so we've got these guinea pigs that are, you know, conventional, i.e. they're hurry and they're cute. Skinny pigs are guinea pigs that don't have any fur. So like your sphinx cat, and the the weird little things, it's like when you hold them, it's like holding a, a warm bean bag. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. and, um, my daughter, Arla, she bought a couple with a boyfriend, Josh, and they're, they're really beautiful. Well, you know what? I said beautiful. Aesthetically, they're not great looking, but they're cute because they're they're a bit of a, 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 a anomaly. Is that the word? <laughs> I can imagine them looking sort of somewhat scrotal. Yeah, oh, that's, but... <laughs> that's the word, yeah. Scrotal, but with eyes. Well, <laughs> yeah. That was the quiz. That's the pub quiz. Right. That was the quiz, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. That was the pub quiz. Well done. Returning from the animal realm into the yeah. further realm where we inhabit here in the moon underwater. It's time for you, Clint, to pick your two spirits of choice. Are you a spirit drinker? Yeah, I like uh, I like whiskey. 
I love JD. I mean, JD's a, a great go-to uh, whiskey type drink. Is it classed as a bourbon in actual fact? Uh, but Jack Daniels, the, the, the honey Jack Daniels, that is heavenly, isn't it? I love that. So is that the one you want, the honey Jack Daniels? Yeah, yeah. I'll go for the honey Jack Daniels. That's not. You're not the first person to choose a honey Jack Daniels. Strangely enough. Well, do you mean the liqueur one or the honey cask Jack Daniels sort of whiskey? I think it's the only the, the the cask one. So what's the what's the liqueur? What's that one? So the liqueur is a bit like Southern Comfort. Jack Daniels Tennessee Honey is your first choice. Yeah, let's go for that one. And then the other one would be vodka, probably. Ooh, which vodka? Just somewhat cheap. Tesco value. <laughs> I'll tell you what's good about vodka, right? So it's, again, a feeling. You don't have to drink shitloads of it here to get a nice feeling. Just a glass of it with a bit of, uh, bit of a mixer in it. But it's handy for, well, like when I'm out DJing sometimes, like I'll have my red stripe, no problem. That's always, the, the, whoever's booking me usually sorts that out. But I'll sometimes have a little bottle of vodka in my, um, in my DJ bag just in case I need to get a bit further along the way towards being a bit tipsy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Just a quick slug of vodka out of my little snidey bottle there. I was just going to say, they did a blind taste test on a load of vodkas a couple of years ago. And the one that came out best was... I think it's Russian Standard, which is actually not that expensive. And I really like the the bottle of Russian Standard vodka. It's sort of very Kremlin-esque. It looks like a big bell. Even though it's probably made in Warrington, is it? (laughs) There was, it might still be there, but um, what was the famous vodka back in the... um, 70s and 80s it was made in Russia. Um, And it turned out, well, I think, I don't know if it turned out, but they eventually ended up making it in Warrington. Was it called, not Vladivar? Was it Vladivar or something? Is that a vodka? Do a Google on that, John. Well, all I know is that uh, Freddie Mercury's favourite vodka was Stolly, Stolichnia, but v- Vladivar Warrington. I'll look that up in my mind. It's quite a nice label. Oh, yeah, it's made in Warrington. Oh, it's originally made in Warrington. Uh, yeah, Vladivar Vodka, originally made in Warrington. Yeah, which is near us. So that was funny because it was always like this big Russian drink and then suddenly, hang on, they're making it just up the M62, this. It's it's now made in Scotland by White and McKay. I think Red Stripe's made over here now, isn't it? It says Jamaican beer on it, but I think it's made in the UK. Uh, so Jack Daniels, Tennessee Honey, and let's go for a Russian standard vodka, because I've heard it's so good. I was going to ask you about the... How did you get into DJing? Because you obviously must have... I mean, you, you must have been to the Hacienda, and did that spark the kind of love of nightlife and, and nightclubs and things? Uh, you'll like this, right? So... I was born in 1959, I'm 62 now. So when I was 15, 1975, me and a couple of mates, I mean, like a lot of kids who had a decent record collection, you'd have, you know, you'd be buying records, it was your main passion. We decided to start a mobile disco. We're all 15, 16-ish. We borrowed some money off our mums and dads to buy, you know, the, the double decks that they used to use back in the day. Uh, and some, some lights, you know, like just um, like traffic light, change disco lights and a strobe and a bubble machine. And we bought the kit. Started doing little um, DJ gigs at the local community centres, and we, we ended up doing a lot of Irish nights as well. I think one of the lads in the in the team in the dis, in the crew in the disco crew, his mum was there. She was they were an Irish family. And she was big on the Irish uh, community scene, so she started hooking us up with these uh, Irish nights where we'd play a load of Irish music from John, John's collection, and then we'd play you know we'd play the disco classics of the of the time. You know, I love to love, but my baby did better. We did all that, and then we'd take it in turns to DJ while the other two would stand in front of the, the DJ set up dancing, you know, doing the appropriate dance to go with 
whatever song you play. So if you play mud, you'd put your hands in, in your belt and you'd be Oh yeah, yeah in the belt hooks. Right, yeah. <laughs> I love your tiger feet. You know what I mean? So <laughs> and we so we'd be doing um we thought we were great dancers, but we were just daft kids really. But it, that's when I started I started DJing in nineteen seventy five and that carried on through the 80s, I DJed in a, a place in Oldham called the, the Grey Horse, it was called at the time, it, it became the castle. Carried on DJing right up until the Inspirals took off and then didn't really DJ much for, you know, a decade while that was keeping me busy. But then when the Inspirals split in uh, 95, we took a, a break in 95 uh, and I went straight back to DJing in clubs and events and it just grew from there really. So, And it went from being something that was, I mean, it's it's a fun thing to do, but it became a big part of my career really it's like like i said before it's i've earned more money from djing than anything else i've ever done really you know, it's, it's been my main bread and butter for the last 20 odd years but yeah it started in 1975 so work that out yeah in your dream pub would you have djs performing and if so on what nights of the week no djs they're all wankers <laughs> joke, <I'm> joke. <laughs> yeah you know what i'd, I'd have a, i think a, a decent jukebox is key in it but yeah, then I think I'd have DJs on. If I owned it, the pub, am I am I the owner of this pub? You certainly are. I, I would probably have definitely have a nice DJ set up. I'd, I'd dive in there occasionally and play some of my tunes. But I've got I've got some good mates who are DJs, and I do like to sit and listen to what they're doing. You know what I mean? I like a good like Northern Soul DJ or a bit of ska music and all that. I mean, I play that in my sets, but I do like listening to you know when an aficionado does it, and they're digging out stuff that I've never heard. <laughs> That's interesting. Mm. We'll come on to the jukebox in the Moon Underwater in a second, but we must take a quick detour to the pub library. Robin, what have you got for us this week? Oh, thanks, John. Yes, it's the pub library time already. Yes, um, every week I choose a book that can go into the pub library. And this week I have chosen a Japanese author called Haruki Murakami. He's a brilliant author. My favourite book of his is Norwegian Wood, which is probably the one that's least like his style because his other books tend to be quite, quite kind of surreal. And that one's more kind of traditional story, maybe. I mean, he used to own a bar in, in Japan called Peter Cat. Uh, and he's a big jazz fan. So his characters and his novels are always listening to jazz and drinking beer. And this, I mean, he's a brilliant writer. This is a bit from Norwegian. I'll, I'll read you a bit from Norwegian Wood. Memory is a funny thing. When I was in the scene, I hardly paid it any mind. I never stopped to think of it as something that would make a lasting impression. Certainly never imagined that 18 years later I would recall it in such detail. I didn't give a damn about the scenery that day. I was thinking about myself. I was thinking about the beautiful girl walking next to me. I was thinking about the two of us together and then about myself again. It was the age, that time of life, when every sight, every feeling, every thought came back like a boomerang to me. And worse, I was in love, love with complications. The scenery was the last thing on my mind. So I love that. He's so brilliant about writing about memory. But this is a, a great, because this is the pub library, of course, I have to remember. But um, this is from another great book of his called The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle. I've got it on my Kindle, and I was looking through it today, and I searched the word beer, and he uses the word beer, <laughs> he uses the word beer 63 times in the book, <laughs> which is really good. So this is a bit from The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle. Is it Chronicle or Chronicles? It depends how many adventures he's had. How many there are? <laughs> yes. Okay, so... I tell you, Mr. Okada, a cold beer at the end of the day is the best thing life has to offer. 
Some choosy people say that a too cold beer doesn't taste good, but I couldn't disagree more. The first beer should be so cold that you can't even taste it. The second one should be a little less chilled, but I want that first one to be like ice. I want it to be so cold my temples throb with pain. This is my own personal preference, of course. I couldn't agree with him more, to be honest with you. <laughs> Big fan of cold beer. Yeah, me too, as opposed to, like, I mean, we do occasionally drink ale at home, you know, out of a can or whatever. And it's usually room temperature in it, ale, I think. But yeah, I know what it's saying there about that. It's a way of, I suppose the phrase is blowing the cobwebs out, isn't it? If you've had a, a long day, you know, on the radio or whatever you do for a living, and you just want to get home and get moving, you know, get into that zone, a, a, a cold can, you know, red stripes, straight out of the fridge is brilliant for me. But yeah, I can, re I can relate to what he's saying there. Do you have a beer fridge, Clint, for all your red stripes? I, it's funny, not not at home, but when I DJ in South Nightclub in Manchester, this is a residence that I've done for over 20 years, every Saturday, uh, apart from the last uh, year and a half, obviously. But um, I had the management there put a fridge in for me in the, in the DJ booth. I also got them to put me a toilet in behind the DJ booth as well, which they did. How does that work? <laughs> you, you just shit down it and flush it. No, you don't. <laughs> it's, um, and I don't use it for poos when I'm DJing, but it's just if, if I need a quick wee, it's there behind. It's like a, it was like a cupboard behind the DJ booth that used to put brooms in. Um, and I persuaded the owner, uh, who's a good mate of mine, so we can make that into a little toilet room there. So that's what they did. Well, that's the problem. If you're drinking loads of cans when you're doing a gig or DJing, like Robin, you've told me tales of your gigs with Jan where you're really hammering the cans before during. Do you not need a piss during, or is it like? I guess an athlete suddenly the adrenaline stops you needing a wee. Yeah, I'm a I'm a real athlete. You're <laughs> you're in you're enduring. You're enduring is what you're asking. Well I was lucky so I played with the musician Jan Tearson, and Jan Tearson would take a lot of solo breaks. Bit of solo violin, bit of solo piano, just nip backstage, have a wee. Bob's in fact there's a song of his called Sir La Feel, which if 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 I hear it now I would probably just wet myself because I must have heard it so many times when going for a wee backstage. Anyway, Well, there are no DJs in the moon underwater, Clint, but there is a jukebox and we do ask every guest to add an album of their choice to the moon underwater jukebox. So what album of all the many millions of albums you must have listened to and played in your life would you most like to hear when you walk into a pub? I think one of my go-to albums is uh, the Beach Boys' Pet Sounds. It's already on the Moon Underwater Jukebox. Now, we can have a second copy. Oh, and chosen by the same person who chose Honey Jack Daniels. So it must be something in the Honey Jack Daniels. It was uh, Hugh, Hugh Stevens, DJ. Well, it's good continuity. I like that. Yeah, I, I mean, well, why, why I love that album is just, it's a feel-good album, isn't it? And it, I remember when my daughter was born, she's 28 now, but... I think for the first year of her life, I played it every day. As soon as we got up, we'd put it on and, and Dad turned the front room to it. And it's just a, a, an absolutely beautiful album. And the idea of hearing it, I've never actually sit and listened to it in a pub as far as I can remember, but the idea of it being on a pub jukebox, you know, with the, the, the crackling fire and your favourite person next to you and, you know, maybe a couple of the lovely souls at the other end of the bar. It's like that, that, that beautiful music to hear in that environment. So, yeah, I'll go with that. Me, me and you, you know, we both probably love it for the same reasons. Brian Wilson said about when he made it, that album, he said, I wanted to make a record with sounds that made people loved. And it's that's what it is. It's like every every sound in that, you know, in that spectrum, that sonic spectrum, every noise that you hear is just beautiful. You know, it's like just there's nothing that hurts on it. There's nothing that's nothing that grates on it. It's just everything's beautiful. Have you seen the film Love and Mercy? 
about Brian Wilson. Is that the documentary? No, it's a, it's a drama. The dramatisation. Right, I can't remember if I did. I think I did, actually. Yeah, where it shows him, paints his dad in quite a dark picture, doesn't it, early, early on? Yeah, I've seen that, yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah, and and the uh, therapist, uh, if you can call him that. Yes, but Paul Dano playing the younger Brian. It's the, but, but the scenes of him making pet sounds, in a way, sort of really brought it to life because, you know, so much happenstance in the studio and so much experimentation like hair pe- hairpins on the piano strings things like this and it's just like it's brilliant i really think it's good um but yeah one of my favorite albums too just beautiful Well, a deserved second choice of Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. And I think it's right that every jukebox has two copies of its best album in case one of them gets broken or destroyed or stolen or wears out. Yeah, oh, good show, good show. So, Clint, you've almost completed your dream pub. It's a red brick Victorian pub with a real fire, somewhere you can snuggle down with an old school vibe and a little DJ booth in the corner which may or may not feature the one and only Clint Boone now and again. Or you may just find him in a lovely chair, listening to the aficionados do their thing on those decks. However, there is one gap on the bar. What is your wildcard choice? This is anything you want. I think I'll go for tequila. I I was thinking absinthe, but my my one and only absinthe experience didn't end very well. And it was documented quite beautifully by, uh, do you remember a magazine called The Fly? It was a little half A4, is it A5? A5, yeah, yeah, like in great venues and things like that, yeah, yeah. That's right, I'm, I don't think it's around anymore, but um, they did a, I think it was called The Absinthe Experience, so they get a musician to meet at this bar in London that specialised in absinthe, and um, they just let you drink absinthe until you, well, nobody died, but you, you pretty much came close to it, but that's what they did, and, it, and they do, did a full article writing about the stages that I went through to the point where I was being sick on my own boots outside the venue. But yeah, so absinthe, no. But tequila, it's like a, a, a gentle sort of absinthe, isn't it? You can drink it on its own if you want. But I, I love a margarita, you know what I mean? I love a nice margarita. So Oh, I love a margarita. So I think I'd have tequila on the bar. Not necessarily with a worm in it or bits of gold. I am not. I don't know what that's all about, putting gold in it. That can't be good for you, can it? You know what I mean? There's a brilliant pre-mixed margarita, which I had uh, the other day. Uh, it's sold in a little deli near me it's quite expensive but you just put them in the freezer and then i have a little shot of them and it's got that it's the perfect margarita mix and you just squeeze a little bit of lime in it all right i'd be interested to know what that is actually uh it's called morehouse cocktails right okay and uh, they they do a pre-mix cosmopolitan daiquiri a lychee martini and a margarita and a negroni and the margarita is out of this world You're barred. You've added tequila to your pub, so the bar is now complete, but we do need to ban something from your pub, something that annoys you, a pet peeve of the pub world. What are you going to bar? I know a lot of people have said televisions, aren't they, on your uh, famous, your world-famous podcast. I don't mind being in a pub with a telly's on and it's, you know, antiques roadshow, or, you know, a, a little bit of news update or whatever. I'm not into football on telly in pubs. 
that's not my ideal habitat. Like, if there's a football match in a pub, I, I won't be around. I mean, I do. I appreciate the game of football. I do enjoy watching good football, but I don't support a team. Has that been difficult for you, being such a big part of Manchester? Has that actually been an advantage, not having a team? It is, it's surprising how many people I know that are just not into football. It's, it's usually people that are so into music. Do you know what I mean? That music ticks all the boxes. I used to support Oldham Athletic when I was a teenager. Uh, this is in the early 70s. And I just didn't like that feeling of disappointment. And believe me, back then, if you supported Oldham, you got a lot of disappointment. It was that, you know, having your week ruined by an event that you had absolutely no control over. Do you know what I'm saying? I think that's what, you know, I'm talking, this is just my journey with football that I realised early on I can't control what's going to happen on that Saturday or at that game. Um, and I didn't like the feeling of disappointment. And that coincided with punk rock happening. 1976 was when I saw the Sex Pistols in Manchester. Were you at the gig, the, the Free Trade Hall gig? No, not, not the, the Lesser Free Trade Hall gig happened in July. They, they came back in December the same year and did a gig at the uh, the Electric Circus in a little council estate called Colliers, right on the outskirts of the city centre. And it was the Sex Pistols, the Clash, the Buzzcocks, Johnny Thunder's Heartbreakers. It was the Anarchy Tour. And it was one of it was one of only like two gigs that didn't get pulled because all the councils were shutting down these venues and banning the pistols and all that. So I did see the Sex Pistols in December of '76, and uh, that was when every everything changed for me. That was you know from then on everything became about music. So everything went out the door. Football went out the door. I had an interest in motorbikes for a little bit but that soon went because I sold me my last motorbike to buy equipment for the band and that and it must have been really inspiring for the buzzcocks like a local band to just be doing it themselves putting out their own records and that you know that must have been quite amazing yeah it did that that was definitely inspiring but also the buzzcocks guitarist steve diggle i was at art college with his brother phil phil's an artist phil phil lives in london now he, he was steve's big big brother and it was Phil that was telling us about all this this scene that was bubbling under. You know, I think by early 1976, Phil's going on about our ah, kids, bad man, you want to see them, buzzcocks and all that. And then suddenly it was like fucking bang. And it was like his, his brother was in the middle of this amazing band. And then the next thing they're doing, Top of the Pops and traveling the world. So, yeah, very, very inspiring. And that's when it really, you know, it dawned on me then. Because before that, I'd always had a fascination with music. But I never really thought that I had it in me to become a professional musician. Because back in the early 70s, to be in a band, you had to be a great musician. You know, and you look at those bands, like I mentioned Mud earlier, or The Sweet, or Shuadi Wadi, they're all good musicians. There was no blaggers in there. You know, it's like, these were people that could play, and that's how it had to be. And then the, the punk thing changed all that. So suddenly people like myself and Steve Diggle had a chance of being in a band and having a taste of it. So that was where everything changed for me overnight. And, you know, football definitely went out of the window. So, But going back to the question about the pub, you know, I'm not, I'm not disrespecting football or football fans, but not my kind of scene that, you know, an hour and a half in a pub shouting my bollocks off and coming away upset because we've lost is like, nah, not for me, that. So are you, are you barring football matches? Yeah, let's go for that. Let's keep the telly, but no football. A lot of people have switched off at that point, won't they? He's a tosser. <laughs> love, love. I've finished that podcast. He's a tosser, this one, this week. I thought he was bad, you, Stevens, but this one's really bad. <laughs> Hurry up, please. It's time. Your pub is almost complete. The one thing it needs, Clint, is a name. Because we're going to give you this pub to take away with you so that it's always there on the corner of whatever street you need it to be. I've got a name for it. You'll like this. So I mentioned last March, March 2020, when everything got shut down. 
uh, including you know a big part of my career. I mean, fortunately, I kept the radio gig that kept going, but the, the DJ work all went. So I found myself at home, like a lot of people, working from my house, doing online work, you know, DJ sets online and stuff like that. And me and my wife set up, we've got like a, a, a second lounge, we've got two lounges, and one of them we call it the White Room, it's where we listen to music and that. And we turned it into our little bar, like a lot of people, we built our own bar at home. Oh, yes. So put two, there's a piano in there, put two bar stools in it and uh, blah, 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 a little selection, selection of drinks. So anyway, so what I did was, at the same time, one of the big things I was doing to make money to replace the DJ work was I started selling me, um, me cow pictures online, uh, but yeah, online through Etsy. I do cow art. Have you ever seen me cow pictures? Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't seen your cow pictures. Right, just, just stay there a minute. Don't go away. <laughs> Don't go away. <laughs> I just get that. I just get that. Yeah, I won't be a minute. Hang on. This isn't part of the act. This is real. Right, so... So what I did... I started selling... I've always, I've always done these for charity over the years. I've always done these cow pictures for charity. And they go for a lot of money. And I've always said, if I ever get stuck for money, I'm going to start selling them for the family. So this is the kind of thing. Yeah, that's um... Oh, nice, yeah. <coughs> cool yeah. as fuck. <laughs> it's a cow smoking cow smoking a doobie saying cool as fuck, just for our listeners. Yeah. Yeah. I've been selling them for like 100 quid personalised. You know, some people say, can you do it for me, Dad? Or can you write my name on it? Can you have, can have a blue shirt on it? Or can you do it in, uh, you know... Cardiff football club colours or whatever so I started doing that so anyway what we did when it came to naming the, the pub the bar I came up with this it's a big one this I'm going to have to move back a little bit oh nice oh nice you've actually made your own pub sign oh my god it's a cow smoking a doobie and it's called Ye Old Cow's Head stunning and it's the trademark cow established March 2020 <laughs> and the cow seems to be wearing a kind of Elizabethan ruff I suppose, like a kind of because it because it's ye olde cow's head. That's brilliant. You're the first person to have hand painted their own pub sign. Do you want to know a fun bit of trivia about the word ye? Go on. Well, ye is not a, is a word that was invented by printers in the fifteenth century because the old English word for the was spelt with a letter called a thorn. Um, which is like a sort of a P, but with the P halfway down the stem. So anyway, they would write the thorn E. That happens to me a lot, that P halfway down my stem. <laughs> <laughs> Usually on a big night when I've been DJing or I'm in, anyway, we've gone. So, so the thorn, right, okay. When they, when they invented the printing press, they didn't have a letter to represent thorn. And the closest they could get was the Y. So they wrote ye, but it was pronounced the so we shouldn't actually technically pronounce it ye. It should be pronounced the. Fun fact. That's a really interesting... I like that. See, I've learned something today there from the... In fact, I've learned a few things. I've learned about the boar constrict. I've written that down here. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to use that on my wife, Charlie. When I get up in a minute, I'll say, hey, what animal do you reckon has got the same name in real life as its actual scientific or Latin name? Go on. Not, ne not necessarily a pet. Oh, you can you can tell her that fact while you're sat in uh, ye old cow's head having a lovely red striped or tequila. Uh, I'll be on red wine after this. I think she's been down to Zaf's while I've been talking to you. I think she's been to Zaf's and got some yellowtail. I love your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your life sounds idyllic. <laughs> I do. I do enjoy my life. I'm not a rich man or anything like that, but I've, I've, I wouldn't trade what I've had. I think my, my journey's been great and. 
I think I've achieved everything I wanted when I was, you know, that, that wide-eyed kid that used to listen to music back in the 70s and saw the Sex Pistols. It's like, I've, I've achieved more than I thought I would. So, yeah, I've done all right, really. I'm happy. And and this is, obviously, this is the highlight of my career being on here with you. <laughs> this is the pinnacle. It's all downhill from here. But what a lovely note uh, to end our time with you in the moon underwater on. What a wonderful guest you've been. And we bequeath you, uh, well, we give you, ye old cow's head to take with you. So you've now got two ye old cow's heads. One of them a pub of the mind, one of them a pub of the lounge. And we thank you for your time, Clint Boone, and wish you well as you venture back upstairs into the other realm. It sounds like you're dis- describing my death. In fact, you can use that. <laughs> As of when I do pass away, you can use that if you want, on your uh, eulogy. Yeah? Okay. He's not dead, he's just <laughs> passing, passing upstairs into the other realm. I went to a funeral a couple of years ago where the, the, the vicar, priest, whatever it was, described death as actually just going off to the next room. That's nice. So that's where I'm going, yeah. So, Clint, to play you out upstairs to the other realm, what song from your album of choice, uh, you don't have to use this at the, your funeral, this is not a binding contract, but what uh, song from Pet Sounds would you like to hear? I'll go for God Only Knows. It's a perfect song. It is a perfect song, yeah. Oh, God, you can feel it. You can feel the goosebumps. That lumping throat, tear in your eye. Oh, jeez. Come on, Boone Army. Want to see a good lad in? Want to good, that Boone Army? <laughs> well, to play Clint out, a perfect song, in my opinion, one of not many, it's God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. Farewell to you, Clint. Farewell. Travel safe and follow the morning star that will lead you to the other realm. Oh, what a joy it was to have Clint with us in the moon underwater. But there's no letting up. We can't let standards slip because next week we have David Lloyd, cricketer, commentator, better known to many millions as Bumble. So we look forward to him supping a beer with us here at the moon underwater. And we'll see you all then. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.